All right. Repeat after me before we dive into this. God still heals. God is still healing. We have to, I have to say that because we're going to get into some stuff, and I don't want you to think that I don't believe that for, for what we're going to talk about, because I certainly do, 100% do. Um, God is still moving. He's still healing. He's still doing things. But there's so much that we can learn um, from what the Bible shows us and demonstrates to us about how God heals. And I think that I haven't, like, formulated this yet, um, but I think maybe in the next few weeks we're going to kind of go through maybe um, digging in deeper to uh, just the gifts and how, the, how we operate in those gifts in the church. I think it'd be a good good idea to kind of walk through that step by step and kind of talk about it more. I think a lot of times people either are afraid to talk about it or they're just not sure about it, so we just avoid it, which is ridiculous. We shouldn't do that. The same thing with healing. We don't just need to skip over things just because we don't understand them, right? Um, you, guys, you guys know me and you, you guys, most of you know our church and what we've seen and experienced has been amazing. Um, what I love, Mark would always talk about, you can't, you can't unring that bell. Once that bell's rung, you're just like, I can't go backwards. You know, I can't, I can't unsee what I've seen. I can't you know, not experience what I've experienced. And so what the good thing is that the Bible gives us something to look to, to to kind of help us understand what we are experiencing and what we see and what we do, right? Um, I want to encourage you, if you're not reading, man, it's, the Bible is an amazing thing if you really dig into it. And it's an amazing thing if you look at it through Christ's lenses, through Jesus' lenses, from Genesis to Revelation, it's all about Jesus. All Everything in the Old Testament and the Old Covenant was pointing towards Jesus and everything all the way to Revelation. Revelation is a revelation of Jesus. It's all pointing towards him. He's the central force of the whole Bible. He is who leads us here and who we talk about pretty much every Sunday. So if you're not crazy about Jesus, you either will be soon or you won't like it here. <laughs> or you won't like me very much. Um, so all that. So we're going we're gonna to dive in because we're going to dive in. That's what we do. So we're going to start pretty far back in Exodus, but we have to get a picture, and what you're going to hear a lot around here is comparing kind of Old Covenant and New Covenant. You're going to hear comparing law versus grace. You're going to hear comparing um, uh, the Jews and God's, and Israel and God's chosen people compared to um, what that looks like in New Covenant, especially inviting us, which we, us are Gentiles. We're, you know, we're not, we weren't originally God's chosen people, but we now we are because of Jesus, all right? So I know that's a quick rundown, but try to paint that picture before we dive into it. Exodus 15:22 if you want to turn there. Exodus 15:22 <clears throat> says then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea and they went into the desert of Shur. For 3 days they traveled in the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why the place was called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What are we to drink? Verse 25, Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. There the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them to put them to the test. He said, If you, remember that if you, if you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in his eyes, if you pay attention to his commands and keep all his decrees, I will, remember that I will, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals. <clears throat> so the Lord who heals, there's a Jehovah Rafi or Rafa is, Rafa is uh, the Lord who heals. And so what he's saying there is, if you will do this, I will do this. This is, this is an old covenant promise. This is old covenant stuff. When God would say things, he would, he would say things from the covenant that he made. If you will do this, I will do this, right? We have to remember that, and, and you'll see that throughout the old covenant. 
If my people will do this, then I will respond by doing this. If this, then I will do this. That's completely different in the New Covenant. We're going to get to that, but just remember that. What he's saying is this water was bitter. They didn't have anything to drink. He throws a, says throw a stick in it, and it's going to make it good to drink, and it did. It, it, it was good to drink, and it was good. They didn't have any diseases, and so he's, he is expressing his character as a healer. God is a healer. That's who, that's who he is. He heals, okay? So the Old Covenant in Israel is what we call a type and shadow. If you read a lot, you can see things that are types and shadows. These are things that are pointing towards something that is, is what? A substance. So these things are types and shadows of things to come. So God in his very character is a healer, right? So he's, he's establishing this in the Old Covenant. I heal. That's what I do. I'm good to my people. If my people will do this, I will heal them, right? We got that? All right. So he's a type and, he's a type and, this is a type and shadow of Jesus. The stick could represent the cross. We can, we can do several different analogies to show you this, but I just want you to see the very character of God, even from the beginning, was, of, was one of a healer. So that was a type and shadow. Jesus is a substance. Healing in the New Testament um, was primarily for Israel. It was primarily for uh, them to realize that the, the promises were coming true. They were looking for all the promises of the Old Covenant to be manifest right in front of them. And this is evidenced by all the times when he would go out and he would perform all these miracles because they would say, and this is in Exodus 23, 25, Worship the Lord your God, and his blessings will be on your food and your water. I will take away sickness from among you. Jesus fulfills those promises in the New, to- in the new Covenant, in the New Testament, not the New Covenant yet, but in the New Testament. When? What does he do when he goes to the first party and he performs his first miracle? He turns the water into wine, right? He's saying this here. I'm going to take care of this and with water and bread. I'm going to turn water into wine. And then what does he do when he goes to feed the 5,000? He multiplies the bread, and then the 4,000, he does the same thing. Not only that, those are physical things that he is, he is not just trying to prove himself, but it's his very nature to do, right? So he, <laughs> this is so cool to me, he is, I know it's a, a simple statement, but he is the bread. He is the water. And so what he's doing, he is, he's not just doing things to prove who he is, obvious because when the, when the devil tested him, and told him to turn the rocks into bread. He was like, you don't, I don't have to prove myself to you. I know who I am. I know I'm a son. I know I'm, I'm known. I know that God is my father. He didn't have to prove himself. But by his very nature, everywhere he went, miracles would happen. God gives me chills just to think about. Like God in the flesh as Jesus walking around, touching lepers and not being afraid that their sickness would jump on him because his power was, was greater. Man, that is awesome. But he would go around because this is, this is what his people were looking for because they had been promised for generations that this was going to happen. And, and he, he, when he came, he was going to bring healing. And he did. And he demonstrated to them. Now, why do I know so many different scriptures? We're not going to get to all of them. But there's, there's in order to paint this picture so that we can see it clearly is he was there primarily for his people to demonstrate that in, in, a, in a natural way, the miracles and healing. Now, we can see in, in several different stories, there are two different stories. Um, one is the healing of the Canaanite woman's daughter in Matthew 15. We're not going to go all the way through it, but if, do you guys know this story about the dogs? Yeah, well, she comes up and she's wanting healing for her daughter, and there's, Jesus is basically saying, look, I don't, I don't, I'm not dealing with you right now. I've come for my people for right now. This is, this is what I'm dealing with. And she's like, no, I know that, but I know that even at the master's table, dogs can get the crumbs from what's going on. It wasn't, it wasn't derogatory like she was calling herself a dog necessarily. She was recognizing that he was the master. What's the rock that, that, that uh, the church is built on? It's not just Peter. It's that Jesus was the son of God, the son of the living God. Because when he asked him, he said, Peter, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you 
or the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's the rock. So they see it, and this is a Canaanite woman. This is not a Jew. This is not one of God's chosen people. And then there's another one, uh, the healing of the centurion servant in Luke 7. Do y'all remember that? He came up and he said, hey, I have a servant. And this is not a Jew. This is, this is not God's chosen. He's not supposed to be dealing with them with these miracles right now. And he even says he's, he's focused on something else. So this guy comes, not a Jew, and says, I need you to heal this person. So God, Jesus goes, and then on his way, he says, no, you don't even have to go. You're not, I'm not good enough for you to come to my home. You can just, I know how this works. You are a master. You have power. You can just say it, and it'll happen. And he says, great faith. I've not seen great faith even in my own people. Man, that's powerful. And she was healed. This is why I know that God still heals. This is one of the many reasons why I know God still heals. We, even in the New Covenant, just because he came for those things to physically manifest for them in that time, he was never, never, I don't want to say too good, but he was never too good to give it to us too. He was never too, he, when, when he sees faith, even outside of his own people who should have seen it, that's why he's so frustrated with the Pharisees. They should have seen it. All these promises were being fulfilled right in their face. He was running around healing people like crazy. And even there's, there's a, another time when he was meeting the woman at the well, um, and they came and believed, and that's another evidence that he wasn't trying to perform miracles just to prove that he was the, he was the one. And it says, um, when she went and told, uh, check out this guy, he, he's told me everything that I've ever done. And they came, and it says they believed because of the words that he said. He wasn't performing miracles to them at that time. He had a focus on what he was doing, and he was doing that so his people could see it, that all these promises were being fulfilled, and he was the Messiah. He was the Son of the living God. All these things to say, he had a plan, and he was... He, it wasn't just that he was executing a plan. It was by his very nature that these things happened. One of the things we talked about in Youth uh, Wednesday, and we, we actually prayed about before we went to the, uh, the theme, the OI theme park, which, by the way, thanks for all the chaperones that helped. That was awesome. I think the kids had fun. But one of the things we talked about Wednesday night, and I reminded of them, and I'm going to continue to remind of them, is we were going through Matthew, and we were talking about when Jesus said, when he went out to minister, he said, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. His primary message was this kingdom message. The kingdom is here. I'm here, and my kingdom came with me. <laughs> and it's something that is a little backwards from, I don't know about you, but the way that I learned in church was this, this distance that I had from God, this distance I had from heaven. When Jesus preached a completely different message, he said, no, I'm with you. No, the kingdom goes with me. The kingdom is in our midst. The kingdom is at hand. So where Jesus went, the kingdom went with him. When Jesus touched, the kingdom touched. When miracles happened, that was the kingdom manifesting itself right in people's faces. This, this isn't a, a formula to do. This is a life that we live. The, the beautiful parallel, even in the New Testament, about the bread and the water and different things like that that he was doing for Israel, kind of fulfilling some of those promises, he also continually said, can you throw me that water tea? He also continually said, I am. I am the bread of life. Going back to the, the woman at the water, too, he said, look, if you, if you drink from this well, you'll thirst again, but I have water that you will never have to thirst again. You will not hunger and you will not thirst. So there's a spiritual parallel to these physical manifestations. Here's the good news. We are part of the new covenant. It's the only one we're invited to. <laughs> this, is, this is what you're invited to as a Christian, right? The new covenant has better promises. What are the better promises? Let's look. Hebrews 7. 
oh, I don't know if I can get all the way through this Melchizedek stuff. That could be a whole sermon on its, on its own. Um, that's just, we'll just read straight through it. Hebrews 7.11, it says, uh, if perfection could have come, uh, I'm sorry, if, if perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, and indeed the law given to the people established that priesthood, why was there still need for another priest to come, one in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron? For when the priesthood is changed, the law must be changed also. He of whom these things are said belonged to a different tribe, and no one from that tribe has ever served at the altar. For it is clear that our Lord descended from Judah, and in regard to that tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. And that we have, and what we have said is even more clear if another priest like Melchizedek appears, one who has become a priest not on the basis of regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of power of an indestructible life. That's a lot in that sentence. I'm going to read that again. One who has become a priest not on the basis of regulation as to his ancestry, but on the basis of the power of an indestructible life. For it is declared you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Verse 18, the former regulation is set aside because it was weak, so weak, and useless. For the law made nothing perfect. This is the old covenant. This is talking about the law. And better hope was introduced. Better hope was introduced by which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. Others became priests without an oath, but he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. Because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantor of a what? A better covenant. Verse 23, Now there have been many of those priests since death, preventing them from continuing in office. (laughs) Death pretty much... Stops you from continuing in office. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I know it's a really important meeting, but I can't make it because I'm dead. All right, so death death prevented them from continuing. I love that statement. Death death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Woohoo! Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. He's never out of the office. He's never like, I can't make it. I'm busy. Maybe you should pray more. Maybe you should seek more. Maybe you should confess more. No, God is with us. God with us. God, that's, that's, that's the new covenant in a nutshell. God with us. He's been, he's been made perfect forever. Hebrews 8, 6 says, but in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is what? is as superior to theirs as the covenant of which he is a mediator is superior to the old one. Since the new covenant is established on better promises. The new covenant has even better promises than the old one. What does that tell us about healing? We don't have to search and seek as though God has to prove himself through a physical manifestation. He has nothing to prove to us. It's by his very nature that he does these things. In the same way, we don't have to run around trying to prove ourselves by performing or trying to do something. It's by the very nature that God died and gave to us that we prove that out. What's the evidence of of having the Holy Spirit? What's the evidence of being a Christian? It starts with an L. It ends with of. (laughs) Love. It's the way that we love. Look, the Bible instructs us to go out, and, and it does. 
raise the dead, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers. We can't skip the first part of that. What does it say right before it says that? Somebody, anybody. What does it say right before it says that? Come on, guys, read your Bible. Preach the good news. Preach the gospel. Give the good news. When you go out and you do these things, that's a weird noise. If you go out and <laughs> I just heard, I just heard something behind me. If you go, if you go out and uh, <laughs> if you go out and you give the good news, what is the what is the greatest miracle that could ever happen? Eternal life. We say all the time, and I don't mean to downplay miracles at all. Once I said, like I said in the beginning, I 100% believe in miracles. I've seen them. I've experienced them myself. I've seen them firsthand. Not just stories, but actually seen God intervene and do some incredible things in people's lives. But you can only be healed so many times physically, and we're all going to physically die one day. One out of every one person in this room will die one day. Just the statistics. But the beautiful thing is we don't have to stress out about that because we have eternal life now. We don't have to wait until glory land to experience it. This miracle that we go and it says go preach the gospel, preach the good news, it's saying you are loved right where you are. You are forgiven. Your sins have been forgiven. And, and, when, God, and when God comes and radically changes your life, I, I was showing the kids, I was like, okay, if the kingdom of God is at hand. What if I put this kingdom, and I, I don't remember who was sitting next to me, but I said, what if I put this kingdom in this person? Now, what's going to happen when that kingdom enters that person, comes into their heart? They were like, well, they're going to change. Well, yeah, they're going to change. When the kingdom of, comes into a person, when the deposit is made of the Holy Spirit, people transform from the inside out like a caterpillar. It's not just by screaming at them and telling them, turn into a butterfly. It's because the very nature of a butterfly is in a caterpillar. In the same way, the very nature of God is given to you. Like, like, de- like the, his divine nature is given to us, mortals, humans. Like, <laughs> fragile, frail, emotional, <laughs> right? Like, messed up humans. Red solo cups is what we are. They call it clay jars back then, but we don't drink out of those anymore. So red solo cups you are. You get the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he gives to you and I. Woo is right. What are we doing with it? That's the question I ask myself. What do we, what do, we do with this? And that's what I was asking the youth. What are we doing with this? The, the best way that I could, I could describe to them, because I'm old, I started talking about radios. They don't know what radios are. I was like, <laughs> it's like Wi-Fi. So I was like, okay, you know what Wi-Fi is. I was like, okay, imagine Wi-Fi, okay? You can't see it, right? It's all around us right now. We've got Wi-Fi running through here. Uh-huh. Start thinking of all these conspiracy theories that are funny. All right, Wi-Fi is running around. Forget all that. I digress. So Wi-Fi is all around us right now. And I asked the kids, I was like, what happens when you connect and you get the password and you connect to Wi-Fi? And you know what their brilliant response was? We have Wi-Fi. <laughs> well, yes, but you have access to much, much more than you did before you had, right? In the same way, when, when we have access to this kingdom, which you do if you have the Holy Spirit, you you are opened up to many, 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 like so many different facets of what the kingdom is. And it would be wrong to relegate those down to just specific things that we, we feel like are, you know, miracles or whatever. There's, there's so much more than that. In the same way, we can't, we're not going to relegate just down to a basic under, understanding or a, a knowledge of who God was. We have to have a relationship. So what I love about especially that, that whole analogy about Wi-Fi is you and I are limited. We are red solo cups. We're limited in our strength. We're limited in our, uh, our intelligence. 
Um, some more than others, me. <laughs> I'm not as smart as some of you guys. But when we understand that Christ came and he fills all things in every way and he finds those places where we lack and he is our strength and we begin to operate from that place, his very nature begins to like permeate through us. The cool thing about that is it takes all the stress off of you and I because he's doing to the Wi-Fi and saying, this is, hello, yeah, cutting it out. Oh, Thank you. Hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> so, God, I'm so easily distracted. And now I'm thinking about radio waves for this, for this, uh, if y'all don't know what ADD is, man, if you, if you had a trip in my head, it'd be wild. Because I just went, I went all the way down the road of how this thing communicates with that in like two seconds. And now I can't remember where I was. Wi-Fi. Okay, yeah. So like Wi-Fi, you, you, oh, you have access to all these different things. Um, the reason it's better than Wi-Fi is it's like it's got a God filter on it <laughs> that doesn't just like take all the cuss words out. It's, <laughs> it's, like a, <laughs> it's like a God filter that lets you see people how he sees them, right? It's a filter that allows you to love people like he loves them, not like we love them because we don't, we don't always love people the right way. We don't always respond the right way. We don't always think the right way. That's why he tells us to renew our mind. Met- metanoia, repent, repent of the way that we think. We change our mind about how we, how we see everything because now we have the kingdom with us. So we're, we're not just... What I've seen too much and what I, what I recall from my early days in church was a lot of um, uh, old covenant promises trying to be interjected into the new covenant or old covenant um, thinking and ways of doing things. Basically, it was the old cycle of, um, I've done, yeah, blessings and cursings. I've done well. God's happy at me. I, me. I messed up. I did some stupid thing. God's angry at me. I repent. I change. God's happy at me. It's a circle, right? And that was the old covenant. I'm, I'm screwed up again. God is mad at me. It's a vicious cycle. The new covenant is not if you will, like we were talking about earlier, if you will, then I will. The new covenant is I did already, so now you are. It's, if you want to talk about better promises, what? what? I mean, like, really, how? Like, it's totally unfair. It doesn't make any sense, which is how love usually works. It's, it's illogical sometimes. Like, how, how can God love me even though, you know, I, I dropped the ball again, I messed up again, and God says, look, even if you go, you know, join yourself to a harlot, I go with you. And with the believer, and I, I don't want to go all the way back to the scriptures for the, there's, there's one part of it that we use about him judging for sin, which is actually talking about the world and people that are lost. The second part is he convicts us of righteousness. The believer, he convicts of righteousness. The same way he did of the prodigal son and puts the ring and the robe and the shoes on. You're a son. You're a daughter. He doesn't have to convince you of the stuff that you do wrong. Listen, no one ever had to tell me I was doing bad things. I was fully aware before I was ever saved that I was doing stuff wrong. No, no one had to sit there and say, you're wrong. I knew very well. What's, what I did have to renew my mind to was that God could love me. Even in the midst of my sin, that he, his love was so strong and so powerful that it could, it could change the way that I live my life. Without, with, <laughs> with very little, I don't want to say no effort, but with very little effort from me. I mean, I had to receive it. It was a gift, and I had to live it out and renew my mind to it every day. We, we, we co-labor with Christ. It's how he designed this thing. But man, what an amazing thing that he already, he already did it. He, he, he took care of all this for us, and he gives us all the benefits. He says he's a guarantor of this new covenant. 
I'm learning about guarantors because this crazy land we can't seem to buy. There's guarantors and all this stuff that's tied to this land. So it's like, listen, when there's a will and someone dies, you get, you know, there's someone that, that can give you things. Listen, Jesus is the guarantor of his own, <laughs> his own will. He gives us everything. He's like, I, I take care of it all. So it's not if you will, then I will. He's like, I did, so live a life. Live a what? Abundant life. Don't just hide in a corner somewhere thinking that, oh, this world's just going to hell. I'm going to wait until God comes and snatches me out of it. Come on, guys. He says, no, I, I don't desire that you were taken out of this world. What's the Bible tell us? I just, want, I just want you to know God like I know God, and I'm going to make a way so that you can. You're going to know him like I know him. He's going to be in you and you in him. And he says like 30 times. And, and us and them and you and me and him and us, and we're going to be together. It's going to be awesome. You get a little BFF necklace, half of a heart, and then I get the other half. And we're always together. Even if we're not together, we're always together. It's going to be the greatest thing ever. I mean, he says it over and over and over again. I'm not looking to snatch you out of this world. They don't need you in heaven. That's what I told the kids Wednesday. I was like, look, God's not like, like, like people aren't up there like, man, I can't wait till Justin gets here. We really need him up here. No, people need you here on earth. This is where, our, this is where we're supposed to be doing things. This is where we manifest God's nature in the grocery store at work. You know, when we, when we say, God, I want to, oh man, I want to know you more. I want to, I want to, I want to go do the radical things, man. I just want to change the world for you. And I think God's response is, awesome, love your neighbor, <laughs> right? Like, yes, I agree. You don't have to go to Africa for that. I mean, if you do, that's fine. But you can do that at your workplace. You, can, you, you, have, you have my divine nature in you. You have the kingdom wherever you go. You don't have to be planted in a certain place to grow. Just grow. Man, so many missed opportunities are, are from this idea that someday I'm going to do something. One of, one of the things I, I continue, I keep going back to the youth because they've just been heavy on my heart lately, but the things I continually tell them is, look, you don't have a junior Holy Spirit. You don't have anything less than an adult has. And if, matter of fact, they probably have less reservations than we do because they're not tied up with all the stresses of life yet. They still think everything is great. <laughs> Which it is most of the time, except not all the time. But they probably have less stress. <laughs> they have less stress than we do about, you know, about life and stuff. So don't, don't say, oh, well, the kids are going to be our future. Well, yeah, they grow up. That's just part of life. They're present. You're present. Don't wait till someday. Today. Today's a good day. Tomorrow's a good day. The next day's a good day. Every day. The kingdom, the kingdom knows no, no, no distance, no bounds. Like, this is why the centurion had such great faith. He said, look, I know who you are. This, this thing we talk about with the church is built on, I know who you I understand you you have power, you have authority. And because you have this, you can just tell them. In the spirit, something can happen radically that you're nowhere near. That's amazing. He's like, man, you get it. I can't even find that kind of faith in my own people. <laughs> He's calling them brood of vipers, right? The beautiful, the beautiful thing about Jesus, though, is he doesn't neglect even the Pharisees, even though he's frustrated with them. You know, you've heard me say before, I'm sure, that he even, God, or God did, but Jesus even loved the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He took the time to try to teach them in a way that they can understand and would tell them to go back and read what it means that I, deserve, I desire mercy over sacrifice. And if they would have listened instead of continuing down their road to try to criticize him for doing good things on the Sabbath, they would have seen that what the Torah that they knew they should have known was saying, I desire you to care for people and love people above this whole sacrificial system, which is an outward expression to try to prove that you, you have this inside. It was a facade. Look at me, I'm holy. 
instead of actually loving people and being holy. All right, I kind of went off on a tangent there. I'm going to skip a few pages. You're welcome. Y'all get to eat a little bit earlier. Proper perspective will give us boldness to move as the Holy Spirit leads, not based on our strength, ability, or power, but on Christ. Most of the people that I talk to that are Christians that are intimidated by um, stepping out or doing something that's a little different than what they're used to doing, and I don't like to use the term comfort zone because the Holy Spirit is your comforter, so you should be comfortable even doing some of those things, but I get, the, I get why people say that. So sometimes the Holy Spirit leads us, and sometimes we, and I just heard someone say this last week, that, that the Holy Spirit led them to do something, and they didn't do it, and they were disobedient, and they recognized it, and that's a good thing. But the beautiful thing is, and me and Tracy were talking about it, and Tracy's like, man, you know what's so awesome? It's God's not going to stop. He's going to keep giving you opportunities. Um, I even remember one Tracy and I was talking about, we were at a campground. It's been years ago. The Holy Spirit told her to do something. She was like, man, I feel so bad because I didn't do it. You know, the Holy Spirit was leading me to do something here, and I didn't do it. And I was like, so I, I hope I told you the same thing. It's okay. You'll get another opportunity. But those, those are kingdom moments. Those are moments that, it's not like God needs us to do this. He allows us to be a part of it. That's what's so cool about it. It's like, he's not, he's not like putting this pressure on you to perform. He's saying, I'm going to do these things. You should be a part of this because it's cool. It's fun. It's amazing. It's life. It's abundant. It's not just, not just breathing to death, like just sitting around not doing anything. You can actually enjoy this life. You can have an abundant life. So where does our, where does our strength come from? Identity as a son or daughter of God results in a physical manifestation of that nature, essentially carrying and distributing the kingdom. The substance for us in the new covenant is faith. What we believe is invisible. Hebrews says, now faith is the substance. Substance is, faith is that substance. It's not just this fictitious thing. It's not just this idea. It is actual substance. Faith is substance. It's something. Something happens when you have faith. Faith in what, though? Faith in physical healing? Faith that Jesus will manifest everything in the natural? No. Faith that he's a good father and that he loves me and he loves those that are around me and he wants what's best for me and wants best for everyone else that's around me. That's where our faith is in. When he talks about faith as a mustard seed, he's, what he's doing is demonstrating that it's not the amount that we have, it's where we place it. We place our faith in Christ and things happen, even a mustard seed worth. We build up a mountain worth of faith and put it in the wrong place, it does nothing, Right? We have to realize it's not like it's this quality of faith that we have. It's where we place it, and then that's where the quality comes from. Jesus is the healer, not you, not me. If there's an anointing you have, it's Jesus. <laughs> if there's power you have, it comes from him. If the Holy Spirit moves, let him. That's what he's there for. And I promise you, man, every time the Lord, the Lord has prompted me through the Holy Spirit to do something, um, my, usually my immediate response is, I'm not doing that. It's going to be silly, or I'm going to look like an idiot, or it's going to be weird, right? And that's usually how I open when I actually am obedient. I'm like, okay, sorry, whoever this is. This is going to be a little weird. <laughs> I'll just open with that because I'm, I'm pretty good at being awkward anyway. And then, I'll, and then but every, it never fails, never, 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 not once have I regretted it. Every time I've, I've felt more joy more happiness, and, and most of the time them as well, even though they, some of them probably felt awkward at times, but most of them, 
if at the very least felt loved in that moment. Our faith should not be just what we see Jesus do. It should be what he has done. We should be able to see what Jesus has already done for us and operate from that place, not trying to gain something from it. The, the life that we live, that we live with all these other people, listen, I'm going to give you a secret. There's a secret. Like it's a secret. I'm going to give you just a, a little sidebar, I guess. The, the shortcut to a deep and meaningful relationship is knowing that there is no shortcut to a deep and meaningful relationship. Okay, I say that because as I was in here praying this morning, I was listening to these guys practice worship, and man, I know all these guys that sing up here, and you guys come in, and I hear you guys talking. I was in my office, I could hear people talking out there, and and I just thought about it this morning. It really hit me like this is this is God's plan for us is to know one another. It's it's a it is it is a miracle. It's a very demonstration that we can have a community of people that we care for and that we love. That legitimately, most I don't think anybody here is really related to me other than my wife and kids that I feel like is family, and I hope you guys feel the same way. The reason I say that is because this is the difference between the old covenant, which is kind of rules on rocks, compared to the new covenant, which is based solely on the relationship that Jesus makes with us and the covenant that we have with God through him. He says he has given us the ministry of what? Reconciliation. Our job, if you can call it that, our joy should be to reconcile others to God. We get to I always think of that thing with uh, Will Ferrell when he gives all those kids birds in that soccer movie. They're like, we have to keep these? He's like, no, you get to keep those. (laughs) Even though that's opposite of what I'm trying to say. (laughs) I think my kid got salmonella. Anyway, so (laughs) that's a funny movie. Kicking and screaming. Anyway, um, so (laughs) we get to be a part of what God does on the earth. I I don't know. You know, I spent half my life trying to fulfill my own desires and try to find some way to make myself happy only to be the most miserable I could have ever been by the time I really came to, to know how good God was. And I have no intentions on ever going back as though he would let me go anyway. I can't wait to live every day of this life with great hope that others can be reconciled like I was reconciled. I hope that you feel the same way. All right. We are going to, uh, Lauren mentioned, uh, well, one of the things we say all the time is we fight from victory, not towards it, so remember that. If you'll stand up with me, I pray for you guys. Daniel and Lauren will be up here um, if you guys will come up, if you guys need prayer. Um, I'm going to pray for you, and then you'll be dismissed, but if you need prayer, Daniel and Lauren will, will be more than happy to pray for you. And uh, sure, what's up? What? Yes. Hang on. Yes. So what Carol was saying, she said something that really, really stuck with her, um, I guess specifically, I'd said a long time ago, and I say all the time that we have eternal life now, so there's no fear in death. So that if you asked every person in this place at one point in their life, they feared death. It's scary to think about. Like, you know, death is scary. I think, I think it's the reason why Jesus wept. I don't think it was just because it was his friend. I think that he, in his heart, because he knew God, knew that we weren't designed to die. We shouldn't feel that kind of pain. It was because of the fall of man that he restored that I think broke his heart, the separation of God and man. 
So there is no fear in death. We, we just change zip codes. <laughs> you know, the thing that's worn out that I can tell you is getting, mine's getting worn out at 43. Um, the thing that's worn out falls away, but Justin, me, I continue. I'll continue to go. You will continue to live forever. And it's awesome. You don't have to fear. Even more awesome, you get to experience that now. You get to experience no fear. Man, I used to have those cheesy stickers on my car, the no fear stickers. Y'all remember those? Man, I was real dumb. I didn't even know what real fear was. All right. Father, we just thank you. Uh, we thank you that there is no fear in death. And Lord, that, that also your word tells us that perfect love casts out fear. And so your perfect love is what, what casts out all the fear. It's, it's because of what you did that we can be bold. <laughs> Lord, you were the wind at our backs. You were the one that, that prompts us to live this great life. You were the one that, that we live for, and it's a joy. Father, I pray that as we, as we walk out of this place, as we receive prayer in here, as we go out to eat and, and fellowship with our friends and family and, and even strangers sometimes, Lord, open our eyes to your kingdom. Open our eyes to what you have for us and what you're trying to do. Lord, we just, we're, we're just thankful to be in the room when you do it. Lord, thank you for making us sons and daughters. We are not orphans, um, but we know you and you know us. And, and Lord, thank you for never leaving us or forsaking us. In Jesus' name, amen.